Welcome to the HR Means Business podcast, which is part of the HR Happy Hour Network. I'm your host, Mervyn Dinan. As we come to the end of 2023, um, I've been lucky enough to go to conferences and expos both in Europe and the US over the last few weeks. And some of the interesting conversations and invigorating conversations I've been having have been with people about what we think the next year or two are going to bring in terms of the world of work. Uh, one of the best conversations I had was with Neil Pickering uh, from UKG at the uh, CIPD's annual conference. And I enjoyed it so much. I've invited Neil onto the podcast uh, to join me and to chat a bit about uh, what we can expect to see over the next year or two in terms of uh, working trends. Uh, Neil is Senior Manager of HR Innovation at UKG, Ultimate Kronos Group. Uh, and I will now hand over to Neil to introduce himself and maybe explain a little bit about what, what UKG do. Welcome, Neil. Thank you very much, Mervyn, and I'm pleased that our conversation, you found our conversation useful at the uh, at recent event. So, uh, so yeah, no, it's, it's a pleasure to to be here today. So, yeah, like I say, my um, role is Senior Manager in the part of the Human Insight team at, uh, at UKG. I've been there, you may say I've got no ambition, but yeah, I've been there 19 years, just over 19 years with, with UKG, a previous organisation that merged um, at to become UKG um, in various different roles. But yeah, I, I would describe my role now as being the uh, evangelist, really, of helping our guys in the organization evangelize how HR and workforce management solutions can benefit organizations, which is what we're, we're doing to thousands of organizations day in, day out. Okay. Um, so I think that one of the themes running through a lot of the conversations that I had uh, over the last few weeks have been around employer experience. Um, for me, it's one of the areas that I'm doing quite a bit of research in at the moment. Um, I know we talk about employee experience most years, but I think that there is a change. Uh, we've seen some advancement this year. And I think that as we settle, as we've settled uh, beyond the, I suppose, post-COVID era, the the kind of the employee um preferences in terms of how when where they work um how they want to interact how the relationship they want with their work and with the people around them has very much become top of mind um so one of the things you and i discussed was about how in redefining if you like the employee employer relationship uh, and i'd be interested to ask you to share some of your thoughts and insights on that yeah, I guess what, what you're referring to is is every year um, UKG or the Workforce Institute at UKG publish um, what we call the, the megatrends, the HR megatrends for the year ahead. Um, and uh, and I would describe, well, what you were just talking about there is, is the first of the megatrends, is redefining that employee-employer relationship. I would, I would say that the megatrends for this year, which is kind of what you're um, talking about there, alluding to there, if I had to give it a title, I would say this is the year of trust. It's the year of employees wanting to trust their employers, their managers, um, a lot more, and their organisations, obviously, a lot more than they ever have done previously. But we'll come on to, I guess, to talk about that. But, yeah, when, when we talk about kind of redefining the employee-employer relationship, I think what we're seeing now is, is obviously we've got multi-generational workforces, you know, in, in every organization. And we're seeing millennials and we're seeing Gen Xers kind of move into more senior positions within the uh, 
within the business and and they definitely have kind of a different priority you know and, and i think what we've been through with with covid has just accelerated some of these these focuses on kind of me first priorities but certainly when they're prioritizing mental health and prioritizing kind of well-being more than ever before but like i say we've got a multi-generational workforce and so when we're defining that um, employee-employer relationship and what employee experience means for someone it's different for everyone what you have defining you can't define you know there's no one size fits all to employee experience it's a it's a unique thing for uh, for every individual so i think that's what organizations need to be cognizant of now and try and figure out how and we've got some tips but <laughs> Try and figure out how they deliver an experience that's more unique, more personalised to uh, to their employees. So I think that that's what we're really meaning by that redefining the employee-employee relationship, that personalisation of employee experience. And we've got a few recommendations for, for for doing that but i don't know whether you agree with my sentiment yeah. on this one no i do i do it, it's the the i suppose the the, the end of, of the era of one size fits all management uh, is what we're saying uh, it's the um uh, people turn up to work uh, as individuals they want to be recognized as individuals um and as you pointed out you know um a, a lot of the workforce across all generations are a lot more um, aware of their, I suppose, their mental health, their their personal well-being needs, um, and and how they want to be uh, not so much treated, but but the relationship they want with the people around them and with work. Um, and it's not the same for everyone, as you say. So, in terms of of personalising this, you know, what what I suppose what do organizations need to start to do? You know, what's, what's the advice in terms of, you know, it's not a case of a free for all, you know, wild west free, free for all, but I mean, it, it's understanding uh, treating individuals separately. Yeah. I think, well, I mean, our, our key takeaways on this one really is, is first and foremost, you need to encourage managers to have those regular check-ins, you know, is, uh, is, is making regular and proper contact with uh, with their employees to try and cultivate that stronger level of trust certainly it's a, a managerial level um and when we talk about obviously experience being something that's very personalized the only way to deliver a personalized experience really is to enable empower or empower employees to create that experience for themselves so that has to be enabling them, yes, to give feedback to managers on what's going well, what isn't going well, maybe some of the challenges that they're facing. So enable them, you know, and, and not just doing that on impulse surveys, you know, enable them to do that daily through uh, through interactions. Um, but also enable them to empower them to do more with self-service. You know, create that framework of... Um, freedom within what they can do within their role so that could be the roles that they're the work that they're expected to perform the the places that they can perform their work um the whether that be site or whether that be kind of hybrid working and all these uh, all these different things um and um when 
they work as well. So the more you, the more flexibility can give people that can do things like self-scheduling or, you know, swapping shifts with colleagues because of something that they need to do from a personal perspective. The more you can empower people to do those things, then the more they can craft their own experience that, that they're going to appreciate. And the other thing I think, which is a, a thing that's kind of obviously growing in popularity now is, is, um, AI and what AI can help bring, especially, you know, in the field of large language models and generative AI, what that's going to enable us to do or, you know, technology providers to uh, to deliver, but also employees to get out of it is that shift from being processed to outcomes. Mm. Because the processes with generative AI, the processes happen behind the scenes. The only thing that the employees see is that positive outcome. I want to book a holiday around this time. That might involve several different processes behind the scenes from a systems perspective, but the employee doesn't need to worry about that. They just see the outcome with generative AI. So, okay, yep, we've done that for you. Find me a, what's what's our policy on paternity leave or maternity leave? And AI present them with that information, whereas historically it might be behind the scenes. It's going and searching for this information in multiple places. Well, it does all the legwork, so you just get the positive outcomes. And I think that's, that's going to be a really positive shift to delivering a better experience and obviously a better experience that's personalized to what that employee wants and doesn't have to be so restrictive because of process. I think that they're going to be the key things from, from our perspective. And this is a bit of a shift for managers as well, uh, because, you know, you gave two examples there about scheduling leave, paternity leave. Uh, those are questions that people might have, or conversations people might have had with their managers, but that the, they don't need to have these conversations now. So when we're talking about check-ins um, and we've been talking about check-ins, I think for a few years, but for different reasons um, and certainly around the well-being, I think it's much more important now. And I know about a year, 18 months ago, I was having conversations about uh, kind of training managers to be mental health first aiders and things like that. Um, the, the, the check-ins now are probably quite personal it's it's i mean is this something you see changing and evolving or or do you think that there'll still be um, some organizations might still feel the need to to keep keep a distance should we say between kind of manager and team well i think that's the last thing they should be doing is, yeah. is keeping the distance and and if you think about i think the the opportunity that this delivers is for those check-ins to be check-ins where the employees armed with the right information to start with. Because yeah. you can imagine an historical check-in would be first and foremost asking what the policy is, where can I find the policy, then the employee going away, doing the research, getting the information, then coming back to the manager and asking them questions. Well, now the employee can be fully armed with the right information and have the right question that right conversation with the manager, not needing to go through the groundwork conversation in the first place. You can get straight to the issue, right? This is what we need to do. How can we solve this together and, and then move forward? It takes out all that administrative work on both sides to get to that point of having the constructive part of the conversation. I think that's what will change things. And if you think from a productivity perspective, for both the employee, it's not just employee experience, it, but it, it's productivity as well. 
just going to ramp up so much because managers, you know, will be using the technology, generative AI technology as well, to be able to say, create me a a schedule for for this particular team for the next two weeks, and it will go away and and do that rather than yeah. them having to kind of go into the system and and do the usual processing. They can do that. So the whole productivity field as well, and productivity employee employee experience is going to increase greatly. It's going to be such a positive thing. And what we're really talking about here, I suppose, is personalization. Um, I know that I've been talking uh, about personalization in terms of the the recruitment cycle, the talent acquisition cycle, uh, and, and, and how uh, people apply for roles. But within the organization, um, there is now obviously a lot more opportunity, particularly with AI, to give a much more personalized experience of the work tech as well. Yeah, well, I mean, you you've perfectly set us up for uh, for the 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 second um, of our mega trends, which is um, which is it okay? <laughs> we go into the yeah, second that's okay. That's trend, okay. Yes, you've you've, you've you've brought us into it perfectly. Um, whereas what we're seeing is uh, another mega trend for the uh, for the year ahead um is and we're titling this from buying and borrowing to building and mining when you say buying buying and borrowing it does seem a little bit like you know it doesn't kind of re- relate to people um seems a bit more like product um and that's the last thing we want obviously when it comes to uh, comes to people but the concept being that you know, we're, we're every organisation, every every one of our clients. We uh, we we talk to the big surveys. We've done a, a number of surveys recently across multiple industries, uh, across multiple regions. Um, talent shortages, skill shortages, still high on the list for organisations. A, a, a big challenge that they're they're having to deal with. So I think they, you know, the this concept of not first of all thinking we've got an open role within the organization we need to then go through straight to our hr and our recruitment team to go external for either you know um contingent resource or hiring in people um we need to start looking a lot more deeply within the organization about right what skills what capabilities what ambitions what passions do we have within the organization that we could utilize first and foremost. Obviously, it's the cheaper thing to do, yeah. but it's a better thing to do. It's the right thing to do from from an employee perspective. And then going back to what we talked about, first of all, employee experience perspective, you know, feeling like the organization wants to invest in you as an individual and what your passions are outside of the role that you're performing at the moment. Um, this is what's going to be really important to the individuals, but also really important for uh, for the employers is dig deep, mine the organizer, mine mine the people that you have within your organization already, and that. But again, that that takes some. That's going to require some very specific conversations or deeper conversations. Coming back to what we were talking about before, to be able to make that happen. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. I mean, it, the all the all the research I've seen for years now um, shows that the number one thing that people want from an organisation when they join it is the opportunity to grow, develop, learn new skills. Um, 
and they now i think believe that they have access you know that they the technology is there for them to have access to that as and when they need it um which is why i think you know it's so important and you start seeing um uh, one or two conversations I've had about kind of employee experience managers and talent experience managers within organizations who are helping to maybe put some of these together. So, you know, it, it, take a more holistic view of what's going on and what the needs are and, and can spot gaps and things. Um, the, 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 there was something as well, I think, about identifying kind of passions and, and interests outside of work and, and trying to help people bring these in. Um is that something as well that that you're see, seeing? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I, I know. I mean, we we have examples. Won't name the uh, name the retailers, but um, you know, we've had a couple of our retailers historically talk about um, how they've specifically gone out there looking for these passions of people. So you may have somebody that's I don't know, store manager, or um, you know, is is working on the uh, working on the um, checkouts. Where actually their passion outside of work is uh, is coding. When you think about retailers and and what they they need technically savvy people as as much as us as a technology provider or Google or anybody else, um, because of you know the way retail is these days. So having that ability to be able to say actually you're showing a passion or an interest in these areas, it's something we tr- we struggled to recruit for. Let's nurture you. Let's train you. Let's help you know move in that direction within our organisation. But I think they to do that, you've obviously got to open up better communication channels with uh, with your employees. So I think that that's going to be key to to nurturing these uh, finding encouraging people to be a bit more open about what their interests are outside of of work. And and one of the things that you know we're um, one of the things that kind of we're, um, is important from us as, from a technology perspective is enabling organizations to have kind of safe areas for communication with their employees because it, in the surveys, like I said, the recent surveys that we've done, you know, organizations are communicating with employees through personal emails <clears throat> or through WhatsApp groups or through Facebook or all these different channels that are very difficult channels to be able to manage from an, a, an employer perspective. So if you can give them tools that enable that kind of your own personal social media style tools where the organization can share information on the organization and what's happening within the organization, can use the tool to promote employee resource groups <clears throat> around particular different topics, but encourage not only kind of work communication, but more personal sharing of the, you know, what employees uh, are doing. If you can provide that in the tool that can bring people together in a safe environment, um, that's got to be good for the employees and for the employers. And it's what that also tools like that also enable organizations to communicate with people that don't have work emails. So if you've got people out in the field remotely that don't historically have work work emails then it gives them a tool to be able to communicate with the with those people at scale as well so that's just one of the things that i think organizations will need to to concentrate on to get that more you know deeper understanding and and deeper kind of trusting and sharing with uh with them employees 
Uh, you mentioned employee resource groups there, um, uh, which interests me because uh, there was some research I was involved in earlier this year um, about the value of employee resource groups. In fact, I've had a previous podcast on that. And But what the research showed was that in Europe and, and particularly the UK, for some reason, uh, uh, employee resource groups weren't uh, as as as. Uh, they weren't as recognized, shall we say. There weren't as many of them as possibly there were in places like the US within larger organizations. I mean, is this something that you see um, from your research and everything as a, a growing area, do you think? And and I couldn't work out why in the UK we didn't seem to have this, because when I've spoken to people across some large organizations, they've all said, oh, yeah, we've got them. Um, but I think, is it a time or do you see over the next year or so that employee resource groups becoming a lot more important in this employee-employer relationship, I think the um, well, we're we're British. Um, we're inherently cynical. <laughs> we're at the best of the, at the best of times. Um, so, but I mean, I'm working for um, an organisation where we've got many employee resource groups within our organisation that are doing some amazing work, um, supporting people from all different ethnicities and regions and you know you name it and from from what i've seen is they're just such a valuable tool um that does genuinely improve employee experience and and well-being so it's an area that i think is going to grow i think it's it's one of these areas where the us have, have done a really good job of kind of pioneering some of these things and um, the rest of the world will naturally pick up on the uh, the positive aspects of what employee resource groups can do. I think the key thing, and and I know we're going to come on come on to talk about it later. Um, th- these everything's got to be genuine. Things have things have got to happen for a genuine in a genuine way, and I think that's all too often been the case where things are set up with the right intentions. But if if employees don't see them as being genuine reasons for for doing it, or if it's not really, actually, these things need to be led by the employees, not led by the organisation. Hmm. Um, then then they'll work. It's it's yeah. I think I think people naturally will rebel against something maybe that the organisation has said we are doing, whereas um, what we're doing the UKG case is. Anybody can request to set up a an employee resource group, and it's run by the employee. It's not run by the uh, the organisation, and I think that's the big difference. Is then you naturally bring together a group of people that really want to share, and it's not something being forced by the organisation. I think that that has to be uh, has to be key. Hmm. I think also uh, a lot of. Um... Uh, a lot of the workforce within large organizations well in fact not only large organizations are a lot more aware of um, ESG which I know is one of the topics we were also going to talk talk about in fact I've um, in some of my recent presentations I've had a slide about are your employees uh, suffering from moral burnout and uh, defining some of the things that that you know I've picked up from research where um, just yeah or where people maybe haven't been happy with certain way that their organization operates, way they're being treated, where they feel other people are being treated. And I think there's this 
the transparency we're talking about, the open relationships, I think is obviously goes very much towards how management manages and how leaders lead. Um, and is this, you know, we've already discussed it in advance. So this is another one of our big topics for next year, ESG. Um, what is your, I suppose, take on that? Yeah, I think, uh, again, we're, we're we're seeing, I'm sat here in, in the UK. I, you know, work in the team that's primarily focused on the EMEA region. And every, all the research that we do within our region, obviously, we see differences to other parts of the world, especially the the U.S. Um, and obviously, from a U.S. perspective, when it comes to ESG and this, the title of this section from our 2024 megatrends is that ESG reality check, which um, we've seen certainly in the financial markets, a, a bit of a backlash against um, ESG at the moment and i know um recently it was published in the financial times blackrock did a uh, study looking at esg and its impact on organizations um uh, showing a positive impact so esg was organizations that were focused on uh, esg initiatives were outperforming equivalent competitors so obviously there is a benefit to uh, to esg um, but yeah, I think they, from a financial market perspective, there's there's been a, a bit of a backlash. Um, obviously, from a, a European perspective, um, the we've got the new um, EU Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive (CSRD) directive that's uh, that comes into effect um, in 2024. So that's kind of holding large organisations' feet to the fire when it comes to their promises for ESG. So whether you're greenwashing, pinkwashing, all the different types of, you know, we're saying we're doing these things, but are you really doing those things? You know, the the EU's leading the pack um, in terms of saying, well, prove it. But I think there's, from an employee perspective, employees are really starting to hold organisations to account. And even as consumers, we're holding you know the uh, the the suppliers, the the product suppliers to account as well, and their environmental and social um, governance factors. So I think that's all gonna the the year ahead. I think um, employees for organisations are going to be saying, right, prove it. You're saying you're socially focused, but prove it. What's the out, what have been the outcome of the um, initiatives that you've supposedly put in place. So I think organizations, because of the new directive, will have to prove that anyway. But the employees are demanding that more than ever. They're saying, you're so, yeah, you say you're, you're being socially focused, right? Prove it. Show us what the, what the outcomes. So I think organizations moving forward, they're going to have to be a lot more transparent about what their efforts are actually delivering and where they're falling short and the critical point there is if they are falling short of what they were, their promises were what are they going to do to fix it so and from the BlackRock study and I'm sure plenty of other studies and, and one of the organisations that we work with closely great great place to work um, show actually you know, focus on doing the positive things and it improves the performance of an organisation so I think uh, the message for organisations is 
stay firm on your ESG initiatives because it will pay dividends and your employees expect it. But what we're also seeing, obviously, because of this, because of in the, in the EMEA region, because of this CSRD directive, um, data is critical. You know, you're going to have to be able to produce data quickly and easily for internal reporting, reporting to your people, but also reporting against the uh, the directive. So, and obviously to do that, you know, organizations need to look at the technology, look at the solutions they've got in place for managing that data and obviously those solutions that will present information on the data are actually the key solutions and the same, same solutions that will help them deliver against their social commitments for sure within uh, within organizations and going back to the start of this conversation the employee experience it's technology that's going to help organizations deliver um against what they're promising for their for their employees yeah, the the year of transparency and trust. I think that's it. I think, Absolutely. I, I think we've nailed twenty twenty four. No, the the I think there's there's obviously a lot there um, for people to to ponder over, um, particularly those within organisations who they know there's probably work to be done. Um, I mean, we're we're coming towards the end of the conversation now, so I suppose is there any takeaway advice i mean if, if if someone's listening to this and saying look this is we really need to do something about this um how how would you recommend they start yeah well i mean they can learn more about the um 2024 hr megatrends that ukg is produced if, if i'm sure if they go to google you know they just search um ukg 2024 megatrends They'll find the the infographics. There's been press releases put out there, and a lot more information put out there about it. So that's probably the best place. The best place to start is yeah. to have a look at that, and they should find some really interesting insight on on what they are, and maybe some ideas on how to uh, to address them. Okay, uh, and if people want to get in touch with you, Neil, what's what's the best way? Yeah, they can uh, uh, by all means uh, look me up on uh, on LinkedIn. So Neil Pickering UKG, you'll find me on uh, on LinkedIn. Be fantastic to uh, to connect. So uh, yeah, look forward to uh, look forward to some more connections on uh, on LinkedIn and and starting some interesting conversations. Hopefully, I would think so. Uh, well, listen, it's been a fascinating conversation. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to the year ahead um, and we obviously need to get together in 12 months time and see kind of how accurate we were. Um, but thank you for your time. And um, it's, it's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Mervyn. It's been good. Really enjoyed it.